Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Praise God. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would fill my mouth and my heart with your love and with your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, turn to your neighbor and say, there's one thing, one thing that is needful. First, I want to put that picture up there (laughs) just because we had so much fun yesterday. And um, Laura had asked me to switch places with her because we had the retreat yesterday. We had an Aldi retreat for those that couldn't make it. We had an Aldi retreat and we were gone and... um, It was just a great time. We mostly just relaxed and sat around the fire, and Kim and Jim blessed us, of course. And then we played a couple conversational games. It was a great time as a team to get away and just really not do much of anything except what we wanted to. The girls were so cute. They went off on a little hike, and all those old folks, we just sat around the fire and relaxed (laughs) and ate and talked and laughed, and it was much needed. For those of you who did not get your gift, if you're here and you didn't get your gift, come and see me. I do have that here for you. But as we were sitting um, at the retreat, I was kind of mulling over, you know, okay, Lord, I'm filling in for for Laura. What do you want to say to your people? I would say, what do you want to say to your children? And for those of you that were there, I kind of shared some of what I'm going to talk about today with you um, when we were there. And in our bags, Kim had given us this little piece of paper here, and she and Jim had preached about this a couple weeks ago when they talked about how to persevere well, how to go through a trial well, and they call this the 751 rule. And I'm just going to read it for those on the podcast, and then I'll explain kind of where God took me with this and what I feel like, why I feel like he wanted me to bring this up today so we could talk about it. So they have it kind of in this order. The first one is pray, pursue, and pine, Jeremiah 33.3. It's Number one is fear of the Lord. Number two is wisdom. Number three is understanding. Number four is knowledge. Number five is discernment. Number six is discretion. And number seven is counsel. And for those of you who don't know, those are the seven spirits of God. But their elder had taught them you have to pursue and pine and hunger and thirst for these things. And the scripture does say in Matthew, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness that you may be filled. So that's true, right? And then the second piece they had here, because the whole, their whole heart in letting us come up to the cabin this week was really so that we could be refreshed. They just felt like they wanted to bless us and give us a time of refreshing and um, renewal, and that was so thoughtful and so kind. So the second section says, receive refreshing and be replenished, Jeremiah 31.25. And then the first part of that is enjoying his joy, being filled with joy, Right? The second part of that is being aware and cognizant of his favor and his benefits on our behalf. The third part is operating out of that place of grace. The fourth part is operating out of that place of mercy. We go boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in our time of need, right? And then the fifth part is um, receiving our daily bread and being in the word. And I was like, yes and amen, yes and amen. So I'm working my way down this list. And the one, so that's the seven, that's the five. And the one was the very last thing, and it said thinking thankful thoughts. And there's only one thing under that section, and it's thankfulness. And I thought, man, that's so good. And I couldn't, my eyes couldn't stray from that one thing. And I just kept hearing, there's only one thing that's needful. And I was thinking about how, kind of like Cammie was prophesying and praying into, and really all of you during the worship time are prophesying and praying into, that in these times of destruction, like last month, one thing at a time, or the season of the rainbow and the strategy and the kind of coming full circle into that place of covenant and these seven benefits of being connected to God. Sometimes when it's dark and, and the destruction or the difficulties or the distractions, I think is another word that was used, seems like the prevailing thought or the prevailing thing. We wonder, how do I get out of this place? How do I shift, right? Because the thoughts are, like Holly was saying, they're coming and they're coming and they're coming and they're coming. 
And it seems like a relentless onslaught sometimes of twisted thought after twisted thought after twisted thought. And Holy Spirit, as we sat there and Kim was sharing her bag and we were doing all the little prophetic acts, I just kept thinking there were so many times in my life when it only took this one thing to shift me out. And it's thankfulness. In some of my darkest hours and some of my most difficult transitions and some of my most depressing moments of my life where I thought, whoo, I want to throw in the towel or cover up my head like Laura likes to say, you know, I want to throw the covers over my head and and just throw in the towel and say, I don't know, Lord, I don't want to go out in this world today. When I paused and I took time to be thankful, which we're coming into a holiday, right? Thanksgiving's coming up. So I was like, Lord, this is perfect timing that you want to talk about this today. It's perfect timing that you pointed this out to us this weekend. There's really only one thing that's ever needful to shift out of a pit and get back up into the high place of the palace and its thankfulness. I want to share this with you. Sometimes when that pressure's constant and it continues, it can feel a little bit paralyzing. We sort of freeze up. It's like the gears go into dear Jesus mode, <laughs> right? We're like, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> you can picture two gears kind of rubbing against each other, and there's something stuck in between, go, you know, the two gears trying to stop it from going forward. And the Lord's trying to pull it out, right, so that you can begin to run smoothly again. And in those moments, that one thing, thankfulness, will always help us get unstuck. You can kind of see everybody's smiling faces there. I just wanted to share this picture with you and give um, Jim and Kim's elders props, frankly, uh, for that little sheet there. So I asked Father God, I'm like, there's thousands of verses. There's like 42 verses, you know, on thankfulness just in the New Testament. I was like, you know, which one do you want to use, Lord? So I was doing some research, and I loved this little girl's face. Doesn't she look thankful and appreciative and gentle and soft and kind? And where Holy Spirit took me this morning was First Chronicles 16.34, and it says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. In giving thanks sometimes in the midst of the circumstance, we sometimes get a little confused, I think, like we have to thank God for the circumstance or the thing that's happening, which isn't the case. Kind of like we prophesied and prayed for the kids and the women and the children, the men that are being trafficked, or there's bad things happening in our lives, you know. I'm not going to thank God for divorce. I'm just certainly not going to do that because that's not of God's heart. It's not as God's will. But I can thank him for who he is. I can thank the Lord for what? I can thank him for who he is. I can thank him that he is good. I can thank him for all the amazing people he brought to donate food when I didn't have enough money for food, for the people that donated gas when I didn't have enough money for gas, for the people that donated paint and tile and time when I was having panic attacks because I'd come out and look at the kitchen and think of what was going on, right? I can be really thankful for that. That's God. It really helped me. Thinking through that situation, I just thought, Lord, I'm so thankful for the people you've connected me to, for the people you have put in my life to love me well. I can be thankful for each one of the leaders on the team last year as I was navigating this, you know, pretty well by the grace of God, but having moments and how gracious and patient you guys were with me. Things I would normally have in order and organize, you know, it wasn't quite where it it would normally be, but you guys were so patient, and I was very thankful for that. In the, I found the more thankful I was and the more I focused on the things that Abba was doing to care for me, to show me his love, to keep me safe, to provide for me, to help me feel significant and secure, 
all of the pain started to wash away. All of the anger, all those thoughts, temptations of bitterness and betrayal and frustration, it's like they would just bounce off. And it made it a lot easier to walk in love. It made it a lot easier to forgive. It made it a lot easier to be kind and gracious. It made it a lot easier to come out of the house, right? Because sometimes when we're in those seasons too, we want to isolate. We want to shut down and be like, hey, this is me, myself, and I. I'm putting up my cave wall. I'm going to stay behind the waterfall with Jesus for a couple months. Because this storm that's going on out in here, and a lot of times it's out of love. I don't want to hurt anyone, and it's raging. Amen? We were talking about this a little bit in class today, that we have those moments where we're growing in Christ, and the pendulum in our lives is kind of swinging between um, that spirit of the flesh that wants to rip people's heads off or that complete spirit of isolation and shutting down because we haven't quite slowed down enough or gotten in sync quite yet with the spirit where we're sitting in the middle here and we're able to hear and respond instead of you know, feel and react from one of those extremes. And it just takes time. Amen. I laughed. Cammie prayed for us uh, today as we were in class, and she prayed for um, an impartation of, what was it, the holy Irish? A holy Irish impartation. <laughs> I had to laugh. And I said, that's good, right? And Brent joked and pointed out the division in Ireland and all the tribalism and things. And we thought, yeah, Lord, sanctify that, right? Like we want the courage to be brave and to, to be willing to fight the good fight. But we also want the compassion and the grace to do it with your heart. And then learning to be thankful and even being intentional about being thankful. Because sometimes when that storm is raging, the clouds get dark and the enemy's coming in. We literally can't see. We can't see. And we have to get in the presence of the Lord and be still. And I've had to say, even in the last year and a half, Father, show me. Show me, Holy Spirit. What can I be thankful for? I had a season in my life when I first got saved and I had a list of 87 things I was thankful for over the course of a couple days because I was, things just were where they were and we were going through and we were a young married couple. We didn't have a lot of money. There was a lot of stuff going on and I was like kind of freaking out. You know, I was young in my faith. Didn't know what was going to happen or how we were going to make it through this. And, you know, I was young and stubborn. Shane was young and stubborn. We have babies. You know, they were needing some things and... It was a beautiful season when I look back now, but writing out that list and posting it on my fridge really helped me to focus. And we're going to talk today a little bit about why thankfulness works, why it works, what it accomplishes. So we talked about giving thanks to the Lord, about this Thanksgiving holiday coming up, and that no matter what the circumstances are, we can always give thanks to him. First, because he's good. And when our circumstances are not good, God is always good. When the report isn't good, God is still good. When the outcome isn't what we wanted or what we thought it would look like, God is still good. When we wanted to be accepted but we were rejected, God is still good. Amen? He doesn't change. And when we're intentional to remember and keep our, that's dove's eyes. Somebody was praying about dove's eyes. Who was that? Somebody, Cammy. Okay, we were praying and prophesying into that during the worship time. A dove's eyes can only look and focus in one direction at a time. Okay? They don't like have peripheral vision. They can only look at one thing at a time. So it's like sniper focus. They look and they only see this thing, so they're not, easily distracted, and if they are, their whole, like their total vision is on one thing at a time. So when she's praying for a dove's eyes, she's praying for divine focus just on the Lord. And thankfulness helps us to do that. If you look at this young woman, this young lady's eyes here on this picture, I love this picture, she's focused. When we're thankful, it refocuses us and our attention on God's goodness. I love the second part of this verse in 1 Chronicles 16, 34. It says, he is good 
for. Why is it good? He's good for or because his steadfast love endures forever. Forever. No matter how you are weathering the storm, whether you are successfully acing every test or miserably failing and stumbling over and over again, guess what? God loves you. When the people around you don't understand and you just totally aren't doing whatever they expect of you, guess what? God gets you. When there are those in your life who are hoping, you are hoping, would love and accept you, but they just don't have the capacity or the desire to do so, guess what? God is steadfast in his love for you and your love. You are loved forever, for all time all the way back to the beginning and creation of time because time was created and all the way forward to the end of time and eternity when you'll spend all of eternity with him. He doesn't run out. It's inexhaustible. It's unfathomable. It's completely faithful. It's kind. He literally never stops loving us. He loves us when we're confused. He loves us when we're mad about it. He loves us when we're striving and functioning in religion and partnering with demons. He loves you. He loves us. He loves us when we fail to trust him. He loves us when we panic. He loves us when we melt down. He loves us when we lash out. He loves us. Always and forever. The word steadfast in the Hebrew, I didn't know this, it's chesed. I was like, come on, somebody. Chesed. That's translated in the standard version, the steadfast. But let me tell you what it actually means in the Hebrew. It's amazing. His steadfast love. It's actually his chesed love. It means goodness, his good love. It means kindness, his kind love. It means favor, his favorable love. It means benefits, his beneficial love, his love that benefits you. It's love in action, love that cannot go without acting on your behalf, without giving you some benefit. It's merciful love. Love that forgives. I loved this one. It said it can even mean lovely in appearance. It's beautiful. It causes us to be in awe of him where we just go, man, that's just literally awesome. It's glorious to gaze upon. It's faithfulness. It can mean faithfulness, faithful love. It's always, 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 he's always faithful to love chesed. He doesn't fail. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't make mistakes. He isn't inconsistent with his love for you. He always, always loves you. And I loved this too because of my current situation. It can mean fidelity. It's covenant love. Covenant that's never broken. Covenant that's never tossed aside. Covenant that's never cheated on. Fidelity. I just thought that was so beautiful. Christ, our kingsman, redeemer, our bridegroom, he has covenant with us, and he's faithful to his covenant, and he doesn't turn away because we aren't where he wants us to be. He doesn't, like Alan was praying earlier, get upset or disrespect or treat you with dishonor because he's frustrated with you. He's gentle, and he's kind, and he's patient. And he suffers long, and he waits for you, and he listens, and he loves you. Doesn't that make you feel good? 
Religion wants us to believe that he's angry and that he's frustrated and that we're not good enough or we're not fast enough or we're not perfect enough or we're not cute enough or we're not skilled enough or we're not performing enough or we're not working hard enough. But love, God himself, wants you to know he's enough. We were doing the study with Holy Spirit, which, by the way, Jackie, can we just thank God for her real quick? Her leadership. It's been an awesome class. Absolutely awesome class. I'm loving it. And um, we were talking about the book of Ruth in the end. And one of the things that really struck me about the, the, the book of Ruth and this one component is Ruth merely had to wash herself, anoint herself, lean into Holy Spirit. And get dressed in the robes of righteousness, the gift that was freely given to her. And then all she could do was present herself before Boaz and wait. Boaz was the one that covered her. Boaz was the one that redeemed her and bought back her land. And religion sometimes tells us that we've got all this work we have to do. We have to strive. We have to fix it. We have to get things in order so that we are ready for our king. And he's saying, no, 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 Ruth. Okay, guys, just go with me. No. I'm Boaz. All I need you to do is just wash yourself with the word and trust me with it. Lean into the Holy Spirit, that anointing, and rest in it. Know that I've got you. Put on that robe of righteousness that was the free gift of my son and then just present yourself before me with an unveiled face and I'm going to cover it all with my blood. And then my glory, as you behold my beauty, I'm going to touch your heart and heal that component, that place in you, that land that had been lost. And I'm going to completely repair, restore, and redeem it. It's you don't have to do a thing except present yourself before me and receive everything that I did on your behalf. It's like Boaz says, I'm paying the price. I already paid it. It takes the weight off. It takes that weight off. It goes on to say that steadfast love, this word steadfast in the original language, chased, it means abundant kindness. Above and beyond anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine, it says in Ephesians. So if you can dream up some pretty cool ways you'd want a wife or a husband to love you, or God to love you, it's abundantly above and beyond that. That's how good he really is. That's what he longs to do for you and to do for me. It can be preservation from life or death, quickening in the spiritual life redemption from sin, and, of course, keeping of covenants. It's complete. It's whole. It's shalom. It's all-encompassing love. Amen? And that is a love that is good. That is a love that can be trusted. That is a love that we can, no matter what storm is going on inside of us or what dark circumstances are surrounding about us or in our nation or in our personal lives, that we can thank him for that, for who he is, for who he is, amen? And it will always take us out. Then he brought me to this verse, and, and it's funny that the Lord used this card Kim gave me to get the message this morning. And this is actually a verse that she gave me. Kim, out of all the people that have been praying for me, um, Kim Morford's probably one that's prayed the longest and the most consistent. And still, even to this day, a year and a half later, calls me and tells me, I saw something, I heard something, I'm praying for you. Like, out of the blue. And will pray with me for like 45 minutes or an hour. Now, she came in kind of on the tail end of things, so she's probably not as, you know... Got a little more oil than the rest of us, right, who've been praying for this for so long. But she gave me this first. The Holy Spirit gave me this first through her, and it says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And as I read that this morning, I was like, Lord, why give thanks in 
all circumstances. Not all circumstances are good. They can be truly painful. They can be truly difficult. How do we do that, right? And it goes back to what we talked about a moment ago. We don't give thanks for all circumstance. We give thanks for him in all circumstance. Because unlike the rest of the people in the world, we're not alone. He continues to be our Kingsman Redeemer. He continues to be our provider. He continues to be our refuge, and we can hide under the shed of his wings. He continues to be our comforter and comforts us when we're feeling out of sorts. He continues to be our peace and settle us when maybe our flesh wants to have a nervous breakdown or meltdown because everything is simply falling apart around us. Amen? Come on. We can give thanks in that circumstance for those things. It's just a matter of shifting our eyes. It goes back to the dove. Taking our eyes off what's going on around us and getting them back onto who he is. And the coolest part about it is this. He lives in us. So when that enemy comes and tells you, you're a lone ranger, you're going to do this all by yourself, nobody's with you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because guess what? You got the posse of all posses with you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You got the creator of heaven and earth on your side. You got the very fullness of the glory of God on the inside of you. And all it takes is one word from Holy Spirit to completely obliterate and recreate the situation. A single prophetic word. In, in the class today where we were talking about the breath of God or the Ruach breath of God, that it's not so much about just going through the motions and saying the word of God. It's about the breath of God being on it and saying what he says to say, when he says to say it, with the heart with which he tells you to say it. And when we do that, there's an anointing on it. There's a glory on it. There's a grace on it. Two people can say or do the exact same thing, and one of them is responding to a word from the Lord or out of obedience to Holy Spirit, and it has a You ever been in a situation like that? Can you feel that? I don't know if you can feel it. I can feel it up here. During worship, you could feel it. The anointing came in. As people obeyed their pieces, when Carrington brought a word, when, when Cammie brought hers, everybody else that came up, you could feel the obedience, the glory, the anointing. It's that breath that brings the breakthrough. So I want to talk just a little bit about the benefits, the practical benefits of breakthrough. And our teachers in the room are like this. It's a little more practical. Not so preachy. So I was having a conversation with Holy Spirit. I was like, all right, Lord, let's break this down, you know, make it practical, right? So when we're thankful... The dove's eyes approach, it really helps us get our eyes or our focus on the good and not the problem. So practically speaking, like the dove, we can look in one direction or the other. We can't be focused on two things at one time unless you're like the wave, right, tossed back and forth by any wind of doctrine, right? But if you focus on the good, if you focus on what you're thankful for, you're not going to be distracted by the darkness or the storm going on on the inside of you. Right? And sometimes that literally means, like I had to in that situation several years ago when we were young and we were trying to figure out how to get diapers, how to get groceries, how to get formula. And I had to make a list of 87 things and I put them on my fridge with a magnet and I read them for two, three weeks in a row until I got through that storm. Sometimes it takes intentionality. Right? Or when I was a young Christian again um, and I was figuring out who I was in Christ and coming into the place of knowing my identity. I literally had to type up verses about what the scripture said about who I was, that I was a new creation, that I was created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he planned in advance for me to do. And I would have to read them. They were on my bathroom mirror. And I would have to read them every single day out loud over myself. And sometimes when I was reading them, the ones that said that I was forgiven and I was loved, I would be weeping, just weeping. It was a faith statement because I knew it was true here and I knew it was true here, but it hadn't gotten down into me yet and worked its way all the way through me. Has anybody ever been there? Where it's like, you know it, like Holly said up here, I know these things, right? Sometimes we know them, but it's getting it down to where it's like, ah, I actually 
no conosco, this unlivingness. I have complete peace about this, and it's pretty consistent in my life, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. But the only way that comes is by going through that process. And there's nothing wrong with being in process. We talk about this a lot. It's okay to be in process. Amen? Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor. It's okay to be in process. Say, I love you just the way you are. That's right. Sing it. I love you just the way you are. Yeah, that's right. That's an old song. The young kids in the room are looking at me like I'm crazy. That was actually a song, a very popular song. Back in the day. Back in the day. Yes. Yes, it was a good one. A benefit of thankfulness, another benefit is that it increases our love and appreciation for God and others in our life. Okay? Which is, gives us an opportunity to express humility. So when I was thinking through the last year and everybody that helped and the different things that were going on, it gave me a greater appreciation for God because I didn't ask for those things. People just showed up and gave them. I was like, thank you, Father, right? You provided, right? But it also gave me an appreciation for the people that heard his voice and obeyed. And I was like, Lord, thank you for the people in my life. You know, none of us are perfect. None of my friends are perfect, but I could see God's goodness in them, in that thing, in that act of obedience, and it just blessed me. And it was like, I saw God in you, I saw God in you, I saw God in you. And I was so thankful. So it increased my love for God and my appreciation for each of you and the people of God. And it caused me to be able to operate in a greater level of humility because in that moment I needed something that I didn't have and he used people around me to give it to me and it was so good. And you ever get in that position where you need some things, right? We were talking about that this weekend a little bit. Receiving sometimes or being unwilling to receive can be a form of, a masked form of pride. Okay? And one of the most humbling seasons of my life, but it felt so good to receive. And it was so good for my humility. So good for my relationships. So good for the kingdom. I think sometimes when we allow others to give into our lives, it also benefits them. They're like, oh, that made me feel good. I was able to help. I was able to do something. I was able to make a difference, right? You ever been in a situation where you wanted to give something to somebody, and they're like, no, 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 no. You're like, well, okay, no problem, no problem, right? But you know in your heart that God told you to do it, but the person's like, no, 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 that false humility. No, 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 let me do this, let me do that, let me do that. Hold on, you know, back up the truck, beep, 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 beep. What's going on in you that can't receive from me right now? And as we go through life sometimes and we experience pain or trauma or rejection or hurt or inappropriate love, sometimes we put up those walls and we say, I'm not going to let people love me that way. If I let you in, if, like we were talking about earlier, I'm vulnerable, I could get burned again, right, like the ashes, I'm tired of the ashes. I want my phoenix moment. I'm ready to fly. But the way we get there is through being thankful. And receiving is one of those ways of being thankful, looking and allowing the things and the people that God brings into our life to come. Hey, I want to help you paint. Okay, no problem. I'm here. Sweet. Thank you. I received that, right? That humility. Benefits of thankfulness, it increases our awareness of how blessed we are. I mean, if you took a moment, which we'll do later during the activation, and you made a list of all the things you're thankful for, you go, oh my goodness gracious. It's sort of like journaling. It gives you a big picture. It's, it's like if we only had in the nation the good news station, and they weren't allowed to report anything bad, do you know how much that would change our mindset here in America? If we weren't always focusing on the 2%, the 10%, the 15% of the negative things that were going on, but we actually talked about all the good things that happened that day and the, the things that we need to pray about, what a perspective change that would give us to focus on the true narrative. It's amazing. Totally changes us. 
It protects us against greed and dissatisfaction when we focus on the gifts and the things and the blessings that God has given us. It protects us against greed, that dissatisfaction of I need more or lust of the flesh. I need more. I want more. I want more of what I see. I want more of what I feel. I want more of what I don't have. I want more of this feeling of being in control, being in charge, being in power, you know, that pride of life. It protects us when we're thankful. Being thankful also protects us from anger and bitterness and blame shifting, right? When our heart is full of thanksgiving, there's no room for anger. There's no room for jealousy. There's no room for bitterness or blame shifting. And our heart is, ends up being full of peace. So you're familiar with that scripture that says, think on those things that are noble, and are good. Remember, in that particular passage there in Philippians, I think it is four, um, there were some individuals that were fighting. And tell these two ladies to get along, right? If we focus on where we miss it all the time, or where an individual misses it all the time, instead of on where they're making it, where they're, who's talking about hitting the mark? Somebody was talking about hitting the mark during prophecy time. Yeah, Holly, thank you, during first words. Okay, so she was talking about that arrow in the Benjamin tribe, they hit their mark. Right? And what does Paul say? I press towards the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus, which is what? Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's that character of Christ formed, right? So when we think on those things that are noble, when we have a thankful heart, it gives us peace. Because we're celebrating where people have won, where they've succeeded, where they're doing really good, where they do look like Jesus. And it makes us feel good. It fills our heart with joy. And it's not that we don't see the other things or that we don't acknowledge that there's some stuff going on. It's just we don't perseverate. We don't focus on that. We're like, this is the little thing. And this is the great, big, awesome thing that God is doing. And I'm going to focus on that because that's the mark. That's where they're headed. That's the glory in them. And I'm going to think on that thing that is good, that thing that is noble, that thing that is praiseworthy. And I'm going to celebrate that. Why? Because that is God. And when I'm thankful in all circumstances, it keeps me out of that pit of despair, the pit of destruction, the pit of the storm in myself. And it keeps me from being dragged down by those demonic entities that want me to keep me in negativity in darkness, in deception, in depression, in distraction, discouragement, and in division. Come on. Right? So, so good. God, so, so good. I'm going to change my page here. And this is an intentionally short today, and I'll, my niece is in from Japan. So I know you guys will, this is, you're about to witness a miracle. Matt says, praise the Lord. So it goes on. We're going to say this verse again. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Thank you, Lord. I love you. Rejoice always. I'm just going to say this to myself. You can say it with me. You want to say always, always. I rejoice always. I rejoice. I do it again and again and again. I pray continually, right? So I keep this vertical conversation with the Lord going because there are storms that come up. If we're going from faith to faith and glory to glory, there's going to be stuff that's going on in here, and that's okay. Just as what it is. That's part of the process, being in process, right? And this final part, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God. Giving thanks in all circumstances preserves your heart. It preserves your heart. It keeps you in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. When we're thankful, we remember that we've been given our righteousness as a gift, just like when we did communion today. When we're thankful, it keeps us in peace with God and with other people and with everybody around us. And when we're thankful, we have way more fun because we're focused on the good stuff. Right? And it keeps us in joy. 
And if we have to choose, you know, between the two, this life of grr, misery, frustration, suspicion, you know, depression, division, or this life of righteousness, peace, and joy, I'm like, hey, <laughs> for me, that's a no-brainer. I'll take joy all day long. I'll jump in that river, swim down to the bottom, and stay down there for a couple of days if I could, right? When we look at the two, it's like, hey, his ways are so good. You remember when God said to Moses, I want to show you my ways? It's one thing to know his word. It's another thing to know his ways. When it moves from our mind to our lifestyle, then we're starting to operate in his ways. And you can probably think of a time in your life when it was just in your mind and you knew a truth, but it hadn't quite gotten down into his ways. And the more we persevere under character, the more we go through life and go through ministry, we start to see, oh, I see what's going on here. Kind of like we were talking about during first fruits, how I was saying that, right? Oh, that thought came. I see what's going on here. I know the ways of God. I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to get my arrow out. I'm going to shoot for my bullseye of thankfulness. I'm going to remember who I am, whose I am how far he took me, and the fact that I've been here before, and I'm just going to be still and know that he is God. And I'm going to love, and I'm going to bless, and I'm going to keep my peace, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to rejoice anyway. And I'll participate in that joy instead of getting dragged away. Amen? So as I was thinking about that, it was, um, I always listen to the scripture at night when I'm sleeping. This is one of the verses that was playing um, last night. I woke up in the middle of the night to, you know, I usually got to go to the bathroom at least once. And uh, this is the one that was on. And this is Jesus speaking, of course. He said, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. Not when we get there, but in this world. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have, past tense, I have overcome the world. The context of this is that Jesus was preparing his disciples before his greatest act of love on their behalf. It was the actual crucifixion. He knew he was going to pay the greatest price. He knew he was going to lay his life down. He's looking at his disciples, and he knew they were not going to understand the circumstances that were going on, and they were about to come in to the darkest storm of their life. And this is what he says to them. I've told you all of this is going to happen. Why? So you can have peace. And so often God will give us glimpse and a discernment, not so that we can get worked up and agitated and upset and protective, but so that we can have peace. Because when it comes to pass, just like he told us it was going to come to pass, we're like, oh, thank you, Lord, I have peace. I have peace so that we can pray, so that we can rest, so that we can focus on his thankfulness and not get distracted, not get discouraged, and not participate in division, but so that his kingdom can come and his will can be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And then just like we talked about the other day, like Joshua, everywhere the sole of our foot treads, we're taking that land and he's given us success because he did show us the strategy like he does Benjamin. We've pulled back that arrow and we have aimed not just us, but it says that the next generation children are like arrows in the quiver of their parents. But we're pulling back that next generation, too, and we're teaching them to war. We're teaching them to hit their mark. We're teaching them to be thankful. We're teaching them to persevere. We're teaching them to have dove's eyes, to keep their eyes stayed on him, both through our example and through equipping the saints, right? And as they watch us, and I think sometimes, you know, Lear had said this uh, earlier this year, I'd just been watching you. Sometimes it's not always just what we say. Sometimes what we say is really good, but until somebody watches you go through a trial, they don't really know <laughs> where you're at with your mark, where you're at with your walk, whether it's something you know or if you understand his ways and you're able to walk therein. And sometimes we don't know, right? These testings of your faith have come. Why? So that your faith may be proved genuine. A test isn't a bad thing. A test is a really good thing. 
Because it's moving all the head knowledge from that place of head knowledge down to the place of practical warfare strategy and ability to hit your target every time. It's almost like a compliment. Like Father God saying, okay, y'all, you pass boot camp. I'm going to send you out to the front line. I want you to do your target practice. You got this, kiddo. I have faith in you. You did great on, on uh, the obstacle course A, B, C, and D, but now I'm sending you out. You got your tank. You got your tools. You got your bazookas. Right? You got your sniper rifle. I want you to lock and load and focus your dove's eyes on me and be thankful because I see that storm that's going to rise up in you, and it's coming, just like he said here, so that you may have peace. I've told you all these things that are coming. I've given you all this discernment. I've shown you in the seer realm all these things, given you insight, not so you can complain and be frustrated and give in to the storm or the distractions of the darkness going around you, but so that you can keep your eyes on me and decree and declare a thing and take that land for my name's sake and my glory. Because this is what you were created for. Come on. So, so good. He's so, so good. Then he brought me to Luke 10, and I was reading this in the Passion Translation. Thankfulness is how we shift our perspective and how we remain in the kingdom while we're in this world. It's how we get out of those dark places into the place of hope again. These three remain, faith, hope, and what? Love. Faith is the ability to see it. Hope is that reality that it's actually going to happen, and love is when we're walking it out. It's the demonstration, the manifestation, and the power of it coming to pass in this earth realm, just as it is in heaven. Luke 10, I'm just going to have you go there. It's the story of... Um, Mary and Martha, but it's told by Luke, so it's the shorter version. But there was something in this rendition in the Passion that I just thought was absolutely precious, and I want to share it with you today. So if you have your phones, you can look that up. And it's going to be verses 38 and 42 through 42, and I'm going to read a little bit, so it's a little long, and then we'll talk about it, okay? We're almost done. It says, the heading is, Jesus visits Martha and Mary. And it reads this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to the village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha. And she had a sister named Mary, and Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores and preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus. Okay, so imagine this with me. Jesus is in the middle of a sermon. He's sitting because that's what the rabbi does, and he's teaching. And Martha, much like him, he's leaning in and listening and drinking, drinking, drinking it in. And Martha's getting the communion ready, and she's getting the dinner ready, and she's sweeping the floor. She's making sure there's enough, you know, Torahs out for everybody to read. Right? She's making sure there's somebody at the door to wash their feet, and she's looking at where the chairs are in the right place, making sure all the light bulbs aren't burnt out so everybody can see. I don't know, right? And she interrupts Jesus in the middle of his teaching to basically rebuke him and say, whoa, 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 Lord. Like she's not hearing anything he's saying. Do you see all this stuff that needs to be done? Could you please tell my sister to get up and help me? Don't you see the chairs need to be moved? Don't you know the snacks need to be set up? Don't you know all the equipment needs to be put up here for worship? Don't you know? I thought that was so cute. And I can imagine the Lord's face would be quite tender. You know? Maybe even I picture kind of a smirk on his face, like, oh, my sweetheart, my beloved. Don't you think it's unfair, he, she says? It's unfair. It's not just. When my sister left me to do all the work by myself, you should tell her to get up and help me. <laughs> I just 
say the giggle. I'm like, I have so been Martha before, right? You should tell her that. Like, I'm saying this in front of everyone because you're actually in the middle of a teaching, but I want you to tell her because if you tell her, she's going to listen to you because she ain't listening to me. And I know I heard from you, and I know what I'm doing is important, and you need to move her, right? And I just had to giggle. It says, the Lord answered her, and I love this. Listen to this answer. This is the heart of God to us when we're in Martha mode. Martha, my beloved Martha. I want you to picture your name there. Stephanie, my beloved Stephanie. Right? Why are you so upset and troubled? And I just hear sweetheart. <laughs> Pulled away by all these many distractions. Somebody say distractions. We're in a season of distractions in our nation where there are a plethora of things trying to pull our attention away from the Lord and into politics, pull our attention away from the Lord and into race, pull our attention away from the Lord and into whatever, division, anger, frustration, bitterness, hopelessness, issues. And Jesus goes on and he says, are they really that important? And our flesh wants to say, yes, yes, it is important, Lord. Do you know what we've been through as a nation? Do you know what we've been through as a people? Do you know how tired I am of doing this by myself? But if he's, God never asks a question without a reason. But are they really that important? And I think he was asking a question because sometimes the issues become an idol. And the solution to the issue is actually him. He goes on and says, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? And then he points to Mary and he says, Mary has discovered the one thing. Most important, by choosing to sit at my feet, she is undistracted. I love that word in the Passion Translation. He's, he points out she's undistracted. She's got those dove eyes. She is focused. She is attentive. She is thankful. She is listening. She is ready. She has chosen the one thing. And he says, I won't. I love you. Beloved Martha, I love you, but I won't take that away from her. I won't ask her to join you in your distraction. I won't ask her to join you in your painful struggle on this issue. I won't do it. This one thing is the thing that brings the solution. This one thing is the thing that actually will bring you healing in this area. This one thing is the thing that actually gives the strategy and the arrow so those political issues can be dealt with. This one thing is the thing that gives you the grace. So when that enemy and those people come against you, you exude and operate in my supernatural, miraculous love, and it shuts that demon right up and casts him out of that person. This is the one thing that's needful. This is the one thing. And that final line, I won't. I will not take that privilege away from her. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. And I think sometimes we look at the seven spheres of influence and the different apostolic leaders and the five home ministry leaders and all the really cool stuff they're doing, and we're like, that's an honor, that's a privilege. But do you know why they're there? Because they did the one thing. Over and over and over and over and over again. And then they just simply stayed in that place of thankfulness. They didn't allow the darkness of the storm going on in them or the darkness of the distractions and the storms going on around them to stop them from doing the one thing which gave them the grace and the love and the peace and the character necessary to take a mountain like Caleb. To get the fullness of their inheritance. And they became world changers. World changers. That's who you are. That's who God created you to be. But it comes from being a Mary. It comes from doing that one thing. This is our final slide, and we'll close with this. 
I'm going back to that verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. It says, rejoice always. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me to rejoice always. Teach me to rejoice always. And grace me to rejoice always. It says, pray continually. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me to continually be in conversation with you and with Father God and with Jesus. Yes, continually pray. And then it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Holy Spirit, help me give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Amen? That's right. For this is God's will. Do you know how many years I said, God, what is your will? God, what did you create me for? God, who did you make me to be? God, what did you make me to do? God, who am I? God, what is my significance? God, 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 Abba, 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 Abba. Right? This is God's will for you, for me. And when I look back now, I mean, hindsight's 20-20, but looking back 20, 30-plus years, even in the ministry that I do now, I realize it was the thankfulness and the intentionality to continue to be thankful in those storming moments, in those transitional, dark, difficult moments. It was the grace to remain focused on his steadfast love and his goodness that kept me and actually got me to where I am now. It was the journey. It was the pathway. It was the door I had to go through every time, over and over and over again. It was the thing that created and formed Christ in me. Changed my life. And it just goes back to that verse that says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. When we stand before him, he's not going to say, how many ministry events did you have? How many people did you lay hands on and heal? How many people did you, homeless people did you give money to? No, he's going to say, how much of me did you allow to be formed in you? How much of my glory did, did, do you carry? Christ in you, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If we can master this one thing, this giving thanks, we're walking in his perfect will. Because starting out with thankfulness brings us into all those other places. It gets our focus back on him, and it takes us to the seat of his feet like Mary, where we can receive or that divine exchange happens where, like Ruth, we present ourselves. We just simply present ourselves in all of our whatever, wherever we're at. And that divine exchange takes place. And then every time we leave his presence and we look more glorious. We look more like Jesus. It says when we behold him with an unveiled face, what? We're transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. So the more we sit at his feet, the more we look just like him. Come on, somebody. This is trying to restart on me here. Turn to your neighbor and just say, neighbor, you are glorious. 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 Not because of what you do, not because of how you perform, how well you do this or how well you do that, but because you're a daughter of God and you're a son of God. And he says, you are glorious. You are absolutely glorious. So as we go into this Thanksgiving holiday, just be intentional to, to be thankful. Matt, do we have any music we can play or no? Where's my little Carrington? Miss Laura, would you be willing to help me since Carrington's not here? Would you pass out cards real quick? We're going to do a quick activation. Cards and pens. Thank you, Cam. Yeah, we're going to put some music on here, and we're going to do an activation. Okay? Before we start, uh, we're just going to, we're going to make a list of what can be thankful for, and I want you to think about something you've been struggling with, 
some kind of a storm that's going on, okay? Whether it's around you or in you. And then I want you to ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, about this particular circumstance, what can I be thankful for? And I want you to fill the card. Do not stop until your card is filled. And I'm not talking about, don't be writing like this. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, and more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.